If you have your Bible this afternoon, I would encourage you to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, and we will be reading from verse 1 through 16. Um, I'll ask you to join me in a word of prayer as we look to the Lord, uh, before we look to the Lord um, to lead us um, through His Word. Father, we thank you again, Lord, that we have this wonderful opportunity again this evening, Lord, to come before you, Lord, and to allow you again to speak to us. Lord, speak to us through the power of your Spirit, Lord. Lead us, God, and we ask and pray that you will help us to understand your Word, because your Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so we ask and pray, God, that you will lead us this evening. Speak to each and every heart, those that are here and to minister. Lord, and whatever need there is, God, we ask that you will minister to it, Father. Let your will be done, Father. We ask and pray for anything, God, that will hinder your people from receiving your word. We ask, Lord, that you will remove it and that you will make known your way today in every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, and it reads, verse 1, for the, kingdom if, is, sorry, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After greeting the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no man has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, The last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us. You have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I chose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. This is God's word. Amen. This week, we are continuing with our sermon series, the, parable, the Parables of Jesus. 
Last week, Brother Noel or Pastor Noel spoke from the Gospel of Luke on the rich man and Lazarus. And the week before, we had uh, Matthew spoke on the parables of the weeds and power tripping, uh, which is an, a, a, a wonderful uh, title for a sermon. And um, over these past several weeks, we have been blessed, we have been encouraged by God's word, and as we um, heard the parables of Jesus um, presented to us in many different ways um, as the Lord leads. So this evening here, we're going to continue with the parables of Jesus, and um, we are looking at the parables of the vine, the laborers um, in the vineyard. So Jesus' usage of parable was meant, like I said several weeks ago when I did an introduction to parables, it was meant to communicate a spiritual truth and the meaning of parables were given only to the disciples. While the truth hidden from the outside of those that are outside of the body of Christ. The, parable, the parables we are looking at today, like I said, sorry, the parable that we are looking at today uh, Jesus used it to communicate one simple truth or a simple truth about the kingdom of heaven. Something, peop something people of Jesus' day find it difficult, brothers and sisters, to comprehend. And even today, people cannot understand the meaning of these parables or, or very simply put, especially the parable that we're going to look at here tonight understand the meaning of God's sovereign grace. The opening words of the kingdom of heaven, it says, it says the opening words of this passage as we read, it says that the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house, or, or, or in this case here, the owner of the house. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house. The same language is also Used in Matthew's gospel chapter 13 several weeks ago when we read. It says that the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man. And you see this word like is always being used. It's like a formula. Jesus gave them something that they understood in their time and in their age. And he referenced to that to what the kingdom would look like. And he uses everyday languages everyday example, sorry, so that they can understand what he was talking about, but the understanding was, barely for, was really for the, for the disciples and not for those who he, he was speaking about. They understand the normal operation of the day, but they did not understand the spiritual, the spiritual truth concerning these parables. Only the disciples were able to comprehend that. Matthew referred to the kingdom of heaven and this is very unique uh, when it comes to Matthew. Matthew will use the kingdom of heaven while, Matt, while, the, while Mark, the gospel of Mark, the writer, Mark referenced the kingdom of God. So when you read Mark, you're going to see Mark makes reference to the kingdom of God while Matthew makes reference to the kingdom of heaven. Both are synonymous. Matthew used heaven. Why did Matthew use heaven and not God? Because Matthew was writing to Jewish, to a Jewish audience. And as you know, Jewish people are refrained from using the name of God, right? They refuse. And they're very careful in using the name of God. 
Because they, in, their, in their heart or in their mind, they do not want to use the Lord's name in vain. And Matthew was not going to make that same mistake in writing to his audience. And that's the reason why you find throughout in the book, Matthew will use the kingdom of heaven because the people can relate to that in his day. Matthew is the only gospel writer to record this parable. You can read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and none of them will con write concerning this parable. And when we looked three weeks ago, we talked about that only the, the, the synoptic gospel writers wrote concerning the parables of Jesus. John have no account of the parables of Jesus. Now, I want to say this evening here for those of us that are here and are watching that this story is closely related to the conversion, for, sorry, the conversation that Jesus was having with Peter in chapter 19. So if you read chapter 19 before we read chapter 20, you will see it is a continuation from the previous conversation that Jesus spoke this parable after, immediately after his encounter with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, good master, good teacher, what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said, go sell all that you have. And the Bible says that he went away sorrowfully because he couldn't do so. And then Peter jump right in after Peter heard and Jesus says it was hard for those who enter into the kingdom it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom it is easy for sorry it is easier for a camel to enter into the kingdom than a rich man to go through the eye of a needle and then Peter jumped right into that conversation and asked the Lord immediately after and then the Lord will sort of not rebuke Peter, but basically help him to understand. And the, this parable was there to help the, 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 it was mainly for Peter and the rest of the apostles, um, the disciples, to understand. Because Matthew chapter 19 verse 30 ends with these words, but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. And we see the same verse, the same thing that Jesus will say in Matthew chapter 20 verse 16. So the last will be first, and the first last. So as you read your Bible, you can pay attention to those little details that in Matthew 19.30 ends with the same thing, that Matthew 20.16 ends with these same words of Jesus. Now the parable presents a typical scene of what it was like in the Jewish community. And Jesus will not tell them something that they could not relate to. Something people in Jesus' day could, could, could understand what he was talking about, especially when he talks about vineyard. They knew what it was. They were very familiar with vineyards or vineyards. And, and verse 1 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyards. See, the master of the vineyard went out looking, as the Bible says, for laborers. Now, where did he go and look? The scripture never gives us a, a, a place exactly where he went to look. But it says that he went out to looking for laborers. In the first century, in the first century, in Jesus' day, the master would, Jesus is saying the master have gone out to the marketplace um, businessmen or owners or, you know, people who had uh, work for others to do would go in the marketplace. The marketplace was the central square where all sorts of businesses are carried out and laborers would gather there to find work. 
It is a place where they're going to wait and people would come and hire them. They were, they, were going, they were going there to wait in anticipation that business owners would come and hire them. And keep in mind that these laborers were not highly skilled men. They were not trained in a certain skill. But they will pick up any and every job that they will have. They were not, they were not skilled tradesmen. They were not skilled as the Roman soldiers were. And so in verse 2 says, After greeting the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them out in the vineyard. Now, this is very key for us to understand. The master, which is the master that Jesus said in this parable, or the owner went out. And just before sunrise, when he did go out, he went out before sunrise. And on a Jewish working day is between, it's from sunrise to sunset, which is 6 a.m. in the morning to 6 a.m., 6 p.m. in the afternoon. 12 hours in a day. A Jewish day in those days. Their working day was 12 hours, sunrise, sunset. So they started the day at 6 a.m. and they ended the day at 6 p.m. And the master went out first just before sunrise, which is just before 6. And he met the first group of laborers and he offered them to pay them one denarius. A denarius. Now what is a denarius? A denarius is a day wage for a skilled Roman Soldier, that's what they will pay a Roman soldier in, that, in those days. One denarius or a skilled worker. Now, these are laborers. They had no skill. And the master went out and he offered them one denarius. The name denarius, if, if you want to understand it in a little more detail, denarius derives from a Latin word signifying ten. And one denarius at that time was the worth of 10 donkeys. So can you imagine that when the master came and he offered the first, the first group of men that were standing there at 6 o'clock in the morning, hey, you come work for me and I will give you one, pay you one denarius. They jumped at the offer and they agreed to work for one denarius because they know it was more than what they deserve. It was more than what they were, more than what they would have earned with anyone else. And not only that, verse 3 to verse 7 says, the master went out four other times that day. 6 a.m. was the first time. He went out four other times that day for more laborers. He went out the third hour. He went out the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and then eleventh hour. Which is, he went out first at 6 a.m., then he went out 9 a.m., he went out 12 p.m., he went out 3 p.m., and the 11th hour was the 5 p.m. Well, let me read verse 3 to you, and he says, And going about the third hour, which is 9 o'clock in the morning, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Idle. Idle means that nobody was hiring them. They had no one offering them a job. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, whatever is right I will give you. There is no mention about how much they're agreeing to pay. He says, hey, they were ready to work. They did not agree how much they want to work for. They were happy to have the job, so they jumped right at the opportunity and they went and worked. Not so with the first. And then, and then the master went out again about the sixth hour, which is, which is, which is now 12 p.m., and then he went out the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m., and he did so the same. 
And about the 11th hour, which is 5 p.m., he went out and found others standing. And these men were standing there almost the entire day, and nobody hires them. There's nobody offering them work. Can you believe it, standing all there looking for work? I mean, that happens when there's a recession, or that happens when there's a strike, when there, when, when there are certain things that happen. We see that right here in Canada, that people are looking for jobs and standing for jobs in lines, and they're not being hired. And it's the same thing, but... These men were not skilled men. And the master said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? Because no one cares. No one offered them a job. And they said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, go in the vineyard and work. So we have five groups of men, five groups of laborers, 6 a.m., 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. Everybody's working. And only one group of laborers agreed for a wage, which is one denarius, which is the first group. All the rest were working because they were happy to have a job. So therefore, the five groups are working away. They're working away because they knew that they have a job. You see, the first group of laborers agreed with what was offered to them, the wage of one denarius, they knew that the wage, like I said earlier, was reasonable, it was good. So they, they agreed to work for one denarius. As for the other laborers, they were all standing idle. And no one came. No set wage was given. Then at the end of the day, everyone finished working, which was 6 p.m., because they don't work after sunset. Everybody came now for their money, and here a verse is, says, and verse 8 said, And when evening came, when evening came, this is the end of the day, the owner of the vineyard said to their foreman, he said to his foreman or his supervisor, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, but there's one condition. You start with the last. The man, those who work at 11 o'clock, uh, um, on the 11th hour, which is 5 p.m., you pay those from 5 p.m., you pay 3 p.m., you pay 12 p.m., you pay 9 a.m., and then you pay the 6 a.m. So you start from the last, then you pay everybody until you reach to the first group that I hired. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received. So the man that worked one hour before 6 p.m. received one denarius. The guy that he bargained with and at 6 a.m. that he offered at 6 o'clock work all day for 12 hours and get one denarius. And the guy that worked from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. get one denarius. Is that fear? For some reason, guess what happened? The, the group of laborers who were hired at 6 a.m. caught hold. For some reason, heard that the guy that works only for an hour got the same amount of wage that he had. I mean, what would you do this morning, today, if you know that you work for one hour and the person that works for 12 hours get the same pay as you? Wouldn't you get upset? Man, it is upsetting. It is not fear. It's not what we turn, that the first reaction is going to happen in our, in our hearts or our mind. Would you do that? No. It's fear. It's unfair. Hear what the scripture says. 
But when those hired force came and thought they would receive more, you see, they agreed to receive one denarius. But now when they saw the man that received one, and he only worked for one hour, so one hour give you one denarius, 12, de 12 hours would give you what? Not 12 denarius, 12 denarii. So they said, wow, we are going to be very rich. We're going to have a very good sum of money. And this is what it says. When they went for the money, called the laborers and paid them their wages. Sorry. When, they, when those hired force came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And, receiving if they, and on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house. So they left the foreman and they went to the master of the house and the owner and they start to murmur, they start to grumble, they start to complain saying, the last worked only one hour and you have made them equal with us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Did you see what they went to the master and says? You are paying this guy. You are very unfair. You are paying them for one, one hour the same wage that you're paying for us. We labor, we work, we have done all the, the, the labor for eight, eight, 12 hours. The other group never complained. The four other group never complained. And now you find the first group is complaining and blaming the master for being unfair. But the master was very more than generous for those that did not work. Uh, the, the entire 12 hours because they never agreed on a set wage but yet again he was very generous with them you see they did not deserve the wage they received yet the master was gracious with them so what was the response of who labored all day we worked all day in the burning sun we worked all day we carried up the bulk of the work and the burden to get the work done does that sound familiar to some Time how we feel about how we are being treated in our workplace. It's not fear. We should not have been paid. We should have been paid more for our labor. How many of them would have responded the same as these men? How many of us? Even though we agreed, even though they agreed to a fixed wage, yet they murmur and yet they found time to complain. When they look at others doing less for more. What was the master's response? Verse 13, but he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. There is no injustice with what I am doing. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. But look at the words that Jesus chose. I chose to give the worker as I give to you. He says, I chose it. it. It was not your decision. It is my decision. Am I not allowed to do what I chose with what belongs to me? So he's saying, I choose to do that. It is my money and I chose to do what I want with it. And I pay them what I believe they deserve. You agreed on a certain portion. You agreed. We come into an agreement and you agreed to work 12 hours for one denarius. Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last, Jesus said, the last will be first and the first last. 
Now, who is to say that the master this evening was not being fear? Those who he hired first, there was an agreement, like I said, on the wage that they agreed to, be, to receive, while the others gladly took the work without agreeing on a, way, a fixed wage. There was no injustice with the master's decision to pay an equal wage to each of them until the 11th hour. So he was generous, so he pays every one of them. And he was compassionate that he offered work until the 11 because nobody, you would go out and offer someone at 11 o'clock, uh, 11th hour, one hour before 6 p.m. when the day is ending, and you still offer them work. He was generous. He went out four other times when nobody else went out. And he offered them work and he offered them a, a, a decent wage. There was no injustice with that. There is no, no, nothing to be unfair about or nothing to complain And all he said was to the four group was, whatever is right, I will give to you. But what did he say to the, to the group, the, the first group? Verse 15, do you begrudge my generosity? Basically, this could be interpreted as, or is your eye evil because I am good? So these men allowed a jealousy to fill their hearts. And when the master offered to pay them one denarius, they knew that in their heart that he was being more than generous. At the, in the 6 o'clock in the morning when they looked and they saw that this master was offering them one denarius for an entire day wage, they knew they did not deserve that. They knew that it was more than enough that he was giving them. Without knowing about the other laborers, they agreed and they knew that it was more than enough for them. They did not deserve one denarius. And yet again, they were happy to take the job. But when they saw the amount of money being paid to the other group, they have allowed jealousy to enter into the heart. Why such evil enter into the heart's of these men. Now keep in mind that Jesus is not advertising. Let me say this this afternoon, this evening. Jesus is not advertising that this was a model of how people must be rewarded for their work. You pay everybody equal whether they work all morning and then that can't happen in our day and age, right? And this is what that Jesus is, is advertising. So don't do that. He was just trying to make a point a spiritual point, a meaningful spiritual point here. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying to pay everybody equal wage. So the point of this story is that Jesus is teaching about a profound spiritual truth about God's sovereign grace. Hear me again. Jesus, Jesus is making a point or teaching about a profound spiritual truth about God's sovereign grace. And this parable is addressing, like I said earlier on, Peter's concern in Matthew chapter 19, because that's where, this, where the parable begins, continues from. Jesus' conversation with Peter right after the rich man refuses to sell all that he has. Verse 27. Look at Matthew 19, verse 27. Then Peter See, here what Peter responds. 
This is what Peter says after he said um, the, the rich man went away sorrowfully. And Jesus said it was easy for a camel to enter uh, the kingdom of heaven than to a rich man. Right? It was easy for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. Peter says, Peter says, Lord, see, Lord, we have left everything and followed you. What was Peter saying here to Jesus? But here his next question. What then will, ha- what, what then will we have? If we, your disciples, Peter says, has left all that we have and followed you for three years. We spent three years with you, Lord. We follow you. We give up everything to follow you. And Peter is saying, Lord, what reward is there for us? What then will we have? There must be a greater reward for us. There must be not only a greater reward for us, but a greater inheritance of a place in your kingdom. Look at verse 28 in Matthew 19. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you have followed me. You who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribe of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Everyone will inherit eternal life. But there is a but. Same thing like he said. Here he's going to introduce but many but many who are first will be last, and the last first. Jesus' response to Peter in Matthew 19 is this. Many who are first will be last. Look at the order. First, last. First, last. But then when you read Matthew chapter 20, verse 16 is last, first. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. You see the difference? One, he was speaking to Peter and the disciples. And here in the parable, he's saying now, the last will be first and the first will be last. He's basically saying the same thing, but in the context in which he was addressing and speaking this parable. You see the order, as Jesus said. Now, what is this spiritual lesson for us to learn here today? And let me break it down for you. The lesson is about, like I said, God's sovereign, saving grace. It is about the grace of God. It has nothing to do with you and me. It has all to do about, with the grace of God. And all those who are in Christ, basically what we are learning here from this thing is that all those who are in Christ will have an equal share in the inheritance of the kingdom of God. Every one of us will have an equal share in the kingdom of God. When God looks at you and me, God does not see you because you have been serving him for 30 years different than he saw Chris. God does, and someone who is just saved, God does not see us as different. God sees us as equal. Because it's about the grace of God and not based on our, our achievement or our accomplishment. 
It has nothing to do with how long you work and how long, long you labor in the kingdom of God. It has to do with the grace of God, the mercy of God, that, and the justice of God. And it's about God's sovereign grace. It has nothing to do. You can put a hundred years into the kingdom of God. And it has nothing to do with you. You see, the first set of laborers knew what they were bargained, what they bargained for. Yet again, they could not understand. And Peter was making the same very mistake. Lord, what is there for me? I left everything and follow you. I give up my job. I give up my career. I give up everything and I'm following you. What is there for me? has nothing to do with you. Nothing. Ephesians 1 says, In Him, in Christ. 1 and verse 7, it says, In Christ, in Him, we, all of us, every born-again believers, all of us have redemption through His blood. Every man, every boy, every child. The forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace, not your grace, not your doing, not your hard work, not how much you have put in, not how much faith you have that you can come to know Jesus. It has to do with the grace of God. The unmerited favor of God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 says, and God raised us up with him. It is Christ who raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. You don't enter because of how much work you do. You cannot enter because you have bring too much men more than everybody else to the altar of God. It is based on the grace of God. And we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. And in, uh, in kindness towards us who are in Christ. For by grace, listen to this brothers and sisters. For by grace you are saved. It has nothing to do with you. And don't make anybody fool you. You don't contribute to your salvation. It is God who called you. It is God who brings you to, to faith. And you respond by faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that through faith has nothing to do with your faith. It has to do with what God has done in your heart. And giving you the faith to respond and to believe. And it is not your own doing. Because if it, was, if, if, if it was your own doing, it was not, would have not said true faith. This passage would have never said true faith. But it says clearly it has nothing to do with you. It is the gift of God. And not as a result of works. Look how Paul is summarizing it so that you don't run around thinking that you bring something to the altar of God. You bring something to your, for your salvation. You contribute for, for God to save you. You're dead in your trust, Bible says. Dead man has no life. So that no one, Paul says, will boast. The, and let, me, let me just summarize something here before, for you tonight. The landowner, if you truly want to understand this parable, the landowner or the master in this parable is God. The, vine, the vineyard is the kingdom of God. A place where God rules and reigns. He is, he is 
That is his dominion. Heaven is his place and he rules it. The laborers are believers in Christ. Those who are called by God, those who are born again, those who come into a right relationship with Christ. The work that, you, that the laborers were doing in going into the vineyard and represents the work that we as believers in Christ are for the kingdom of God. Priests being disciples of Jesus Christ, taking the good news of the gospel like what we're doing here and preach it to all the world. We are called to preach. We are called to go. We are called to do the work of the disciple. As a, as a disciple, we are called to preach. It is God who will bring men to himself, not you. And that's what it represents. And the denarius. What about the denarius? It represents our equal reward in the kingdom of God. Because they were given a reward at the end for their labor. And every one of us, brothers and sisters, no matter how hard you work, no matter how long you have been a Christian, you're going to get the same reward as your brother next door. The denarius was an example of how God will treat all his children the same. In the eyes of God, every one of us are on the same level plane. Because it is the gift of God. There is no big gift and little gift. There is no more than no less. It's equal in the sight of God. Eternal life is eternal life for one and for everyone. Something that only God alone can offer. And don't fool yourself. Only God offers eternal life. And we read that just now. It is God's gracious act to them in offering them in this parable here offer them equally go and I will rightfully give what is yours and it is God who graciously offer his son to each to foot for us so that we can come into a right relationship with it it has nothing to do with you brothers and sisters we have done nothing to deserve God's grace we have done nothing. And so many people do not understand, understand, understand this word grace. They do not understand God's sovereign grace. They're confused. Some people believe that they deserve God's grace. Or that God would bestow his grace because of what they have contributed. And don't get me wrong. We only do that after we have come into the relationship with Christ. When God, Holy Spirit has done the work, it is God first, then we come into the relationship with him. Monergism, it is God alone, and then synergism is God and man. It has nothing to do with you. And grace means it's, it's, it's the unmerited favor of God. It is undeserving. Yet God graciously give it to each and every one of us. Same as the laborers who work for one hour receive the same as those who work for 12 hours. And the kingdom of heaven is not, is, is not a reward, brothers and sisters, for those who spend their entire life serving the Lord. That's not the reason why you are going to inherit the kingdom of God or you're going to have eternal life. Not how much long you've been serving the Lord or those who work their hardest. Or those who promote the gospel the best. 
and shout it out. No, it is not the years of service, brothers and sisters. You can serve God for 40, 50 years, and someone can serve him for only a year or a day, and you both will enter into heaven. You both will have eternal life because Jesus used the dying thief on the cross as an example of that. The dying thief on the cross is a good example of God's grace that none of us, some, some, some people don't understand. Just a few hours after, before Jesus gave his life up on the cross, he offered the thief on the cross on his right a place in the kingdom. And he says, what? This man is a criminal. But yet again, he received the same reward at each and every one of us. When we go to heaven, brothers and sisters, we're going to see Peter and James and John and all the apostles and everyone who has given their life. We're all going to be the same. One. No one is going to be different than the other. But let me read Luke 22, 23, 32 to close it off. And it's a good example of God's grace towards us. The thief on the cross. And these are the two male factors. Verse 32 says, Who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. That's Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called a skull, there they crucify him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is Christ laying his life down for us. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up with offering, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. Everyone else were mocking and scoffing at him. The same like when we preach the gospel. People will mock and scoff at us. But look at the story. Look at it even in his, look at this, look at as God's demonstration of grace. Even on the cross, one of the criminals who were hanged, Railed at him and saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save us. That's the one. There were two thieves on the cross. One shouted, are you not the Christ? Why don't you save yourself and save us? Prove that you are the Christ. And the other one on the other side rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation... And we have indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has, not, has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what was Jesus' response? Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And a lot of people just don't understand how that is so easy. Because the grace of God has nothing to do with you. 
And Jesus was making that same point to Peter. It has nothing to do with how long you work, Peter. It not, has nothing to do how long you serve me. It's not how much education you have. It's not how much knowledge of me you have. It is my grace which is sufficient. He takes a nobody and he will make a somebody. He will take the high and the intellect and he will make them not wise, but he will bring them down low. So what does the rich ruler respond? The rich young ruler says, All these things have I kept from my youth. What else do you want me to do, Jesus? All these things I have done. And Peter says, Lord, we have left it all. Isn't that how we want to, to, to respond sometimes to God, that we have done enough for you? See, brothers and sisters, salvation in this parable here, Jesus taught us the grace of God, that salvation is by grace. I want to remind us that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone and in Christ alone, no one else. And it is God's grace was a demonstration. This parable here was a demonstration of God's grace towards us. It has nothing to do with you and me. Salvation is the work of God and not man. No sinner can offer himself or offer himself salvation. None of us can unless God, Holy Spirit, quicken his dead spirit and make him alive so that he can respond to the call of God. And that is the lesson that we learn here today. And some people believe that they can contribute to their salvation. But hear what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26. With men, this is impossible. It is impossible for you to enter yourself. But with God, all things are possible. It has nothing to do with you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray this evening, God, as we go, that we'll go once again being reminded of your word. That it's all about your grace. It has nothing to do with us, Lord. As we lay down our lives to serve you, as we surrender our lives, Lord, to do your will, and that which you have called us to do, God, we pray, Lord, that we will not allow the work that we do and the amount of time that we labor and we contribute to your work, to the work of the kingdom, God, that we'll use it Lord, as a means to be, uh, as a way of looking for an inheritance that is greater than what we deserve. But we'll be satisfied to know that our life, as the Apostle Paul says, that his life is crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, he lived, but Christ that lives in him. And we say the same thing today, Lord. It's not about, Lord, what we have done for you, but God, what you have done for us. And so I pray, God, that you continue to humble us, that we continue to surrender our lives, and not how much we are playing or not how much we're doing, but it's God be reminded again about what you have done for us. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>